Hello, this is Joe with Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Welcome to the really big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I am your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, a live fire, fun, and frivolity show. If you want to jump in on the show tonight or follow the show on Off Hours, here's how you do all that. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQ centralshow.com follow us on all the social media channels at bbq central show and be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website the bbq central show.com and here's what's happening in case you can get the newsletter coming up in about 13 minutes from now not one, but two first-time guests to the show, and they will be doing it in the very same segment. The creators of Vindulge.com, the number four most popular barbecue and grilling website, according to DerekRiches.com. Mary Kressler and Sean Martin join us for the first time. So Mary is a certified wine expert, what we would call them in the industry, a sommelier. Sean is a self-taught pit master, grill master, loves everything about live fire. Mash these two together. There's a love story somewhere because they're husband and wife. They have launched a website and it is dedicated to wine. It's dedicated to live fire recipes, mixing and matching those two topics specifically, taking parts of their expertise, mashing them together. And you have Indulge, which is a very popular website, one that I have heard out of that list of 10. I think at last count, I had heard four out of 10 or something like that. So play a little game with Mary and Sean as we get going here this evening as well. So that's who we have leading off the show tonight and then 35 past the first hour. Since it is the third Tuesday of the month, we're talking barbecue and grilling business. And that means we're talking with Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com. Just an hour and a half or so ago, Wes quickly hit me up through text message and said, hey, I just posted a brand new article because it's something new that's coming out. I can't confirm a lot of the aesthetics, how it looks, this and that. But we're going to be talking about something leading off West's segment that maybe you don't even know about yet. 
something called a Searwood. So if you have the Googles up, go ahead and hit up Searwood, see what you come back with, and then see if that matches up with the leadoff topic with West Wright 35 past the first hour. We have some other stuff to get to as well. And then we'll move to the second hour where we will find our third meeting with Podumentary Star in 2023. The owner-operator of Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue Barbecue Trailer in El Paso, Texas, Joe Martinez. Last time Joe was on, we talked about open out three months. Now we'll talk about month four to month seven, something along these lines. And see what that second quarter of business actually looked like. We talked about the buildup in the first meeting. We talked about day one out three months the last time he was on. And now we'll talk about, you know, what is it like? And remember, this isn't just starting off this calendar year in 2023. He had a handful of months behind him before we actually got started. So this isn't necessarily real-time capture, but it's as close to real-time as you could get. And Joe is great by not hiding or keeping any important information because just like we did with Rusty Monson last year and kind of continued on through the second year with him and then again this year with Joe, if you have an inkling, if it's something that you want to think about doing, then I want to have the experts that are doing it. And it doesn't have to be names that you know. These guys are doing it for a living. They're in it headlong. They know about the costs. They know about the pitfalls. They've experienced them. So if we can at least shine a light on this type of the portion of the industry that you might be thinking about getting into, why wouldn't you want to have that information? And they're experts here, and we do it on the show. And happy that Joe has decided to do it here in 2023. So he'll be leading off the second hour, 14 past, and then closing out the show, our quarterly guest and barbecue editor for Texas Monthly, Daniel Vaughn, joining us. Now, as we close out Joe and as we bring up Daniel, there might be a bit of a mashup segment because Joe was mentioned in the top 25 up and coming best new barbecue restaurants that they release in between the Texas monthly top 50 list. That comes out every three years or whatever it is. It's not every year like Southern Living's barbecue list that they released last week for their top 50. A little bit more strung out, but they provide this top 25 best of list or a new to the new to the barbecue world list and joe made it there in el paso so we'll talk to uh, we'll try and get a mashup uh, a piece of that if possible and then we'll talk to daniel about some other barbecue topics as well not the least of which is a article on texas monthly or tmbbq.com that has him interviewing joe haynes and joe has a book joe is a Longtime proselytizer and barbecue historian tracing barbecue here in the South, not here in Ohio, but in the South back to Virginia. Certainly there's a lot of argument back and forth about where barbecue was founded. They're not getting into this, but what they are talking about or the new argument or statement that Joe is making and then trying to prove is that barbecue is solely American. Poppycock to this coming from any type of barbacoa or any other country and then becoming what we know as southern style barbecue. No, no, no. It was here, born here, raised here. This is our thing. America stakes its claim to barbecue. And that's the book that Joe Haynes has written about. Also, some other topics we'll be talking about 
with Daniel as well. So that's how the show is laying out. Mary Kressler, Sean Martin coming up here shortly. Wes Wright from cookoutnews.com, and they close the first hour, and then we go to the second hour. Joe Martinez, Daniel Vaughn, if that's enough for you. Don't forget, you can follow the show socially, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Snapchat at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to all of you watching through the video streaming platforms, Facebook and Twitch slash BBQ Central Show, also on YouTube which is youtube.com slash at BBQ Central Show. We have a new YouTube poll question of the week, which is this, but I'm asking everybody tonight. If you listen to Mike Grunwald's interview from last week, whether it was live last Tuesday or during podcast during the rest of the week, has what he said changed your opinion on cell-cultivated meat? And currently, 88% of you are saying, nope. Fair enough. 12% of you are saying yes, which I have to admit is a little bit higher than I thought it was going to be. So we were seeing 100% no. So I am heartened to know that that interview at least opened some minds. I saw barbecue realtor to the stars out there in Hawaii, Lance Owen, saying that it did open him up a little bit more to the fact. So we'll keep track of the percentages and try and give you a final tally at the end of the show here this evening. We start here tonight, and we start with the story that keeps on giving yet another Memphis in May update. I saw a post by Carol Coletta on LinkedIn, where she actually hyperlinked an article about the reshaping of the parks, specifically Tom Lee Park. So I asked a question in her feed. I didn't expect to get an answer whatsoever. However, I did get an answer. So let me set it up for you properly. My question was, Carol In a recent news article, I read you mentioned that Tom Lee Park was built to the specs that Memphis and May International Festival had given you, but there is no mention that there is no mention of that in the article you link. Tom Lee Park sustained major damage at the event this year more than any other year of its existence. Why would Memphis and May spec out a park for Memphis River Parks partnership to build that would cost them so much to repair each year after they have the event? Seems unbelievable, does it not? Well, she replied. And I quote, Greg, the mediation agreement signed by the city, the partnership and Memphis in May in December 2019 memorialized Memphis in May's specs. It is not a secret document has been printed in the media and was on our website. The design review committee, which included Memphis in May's operations director, reviewed the project throughout its development to make sure specs were met. The partnership did not develop the specs. The partnership does not run the festival. Memphis and May had final plans two years in advance of its 2023 festival. The Memphis and May board was fully briefed a year in advance on the risk of damages to a partially completed park. Always happy to have the opportunity to share facts. I immediately, of course, replied back to that post and said, hey, please direct message me. Let's trade emails. Would love to have you on to talk further about this on the show. Have I gotten an answer since then? But at least I got an answer. If you're keeping track of or tabs on this whole fiasco, one side of the puzzle is looking pretty good. The other side, which rhymes with Memphis and May, looking pretty bad. Now, I did send an email out to Memphis and May, ask them to reply back. In true fashion, I have gotten no reply back. In fact, the email that I got back when I sent it over the weekend was, I'm out of the office. Try again later. Try again later? All right, Mary and Sean are ready to go. 
Before we get to them, I'll talk to you about Pits and Spits, and I'm asking you a question. You tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? It's time to step up that game, bring the ultimate flavor and cooker to the backyard barbecues. Pits and Spits, charcoal grills offering the highest quality live fire cooking experience that you can get in the market today using either wood or charcoal. Their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have the time to fire up the grill, cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower that fire to control and fine-tune the heat. Their take on the very popular Santa Maria-style grill. You can check them out at this custom website, pitandspits.com slash Show. And remember, that's a double T on the pits and the spits. So once again, pitsandspits.com slash Central. And as you're checking out with one of those premium charcoal drills, use promo code charcoal central to save 150 bucks off any grill. Again, that's charcoal central for 150 bucks off any grill. Pitsandspits.com slash Central show. No, slash Central. And then a checkout when you buy a charcoal grill and you know you're going to love it. 150 bucks off Charcoal Central is the code to use at checkout. We are back with Vindulge. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. Welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets for all your pellet-driven cookers. You visit CookinPellets.com for more information, and then when you're ready to purchase, you go to Amazon.com or Lowe's.com or walmart.com all the same great flavors that you find on cookingpellets.com except great shipping rates come on you gotta do it great folks over at cookingpellets.com have you been looking for a barbecue and grilling website that will help with recipe inspiration also teach you about wine of course my next guest run the fourth most popular barbecue and grilling website, according to our pal Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com. And we're going to talk about all of that. We welcome first-time guests Mary Kressler and Sean Martin to the show. All right, gang, before, hey, we get in, happy to be here. before we get into it tonight, we have a YouTube poll question of the week. And I'm asking everybody this. Now, of course, I have to preface this by saying, if you didn't listen to the show last week, just guess yes or no. But assuming you listened, did Mike Gronwald's conversation about cell-cultivated meat last week change your position, whatever that might be, on cell-cultivated meat, yes or no? I would have to say it drove some curiosity. So I would say yes. I've never tried it. I don't know, though. That, so there's a whole all of the answers. Mary, yes or no? 
I did not listen to the podcast last week, so I'm fired. But Sean filled me in. And right now, I would say I'm also very curious. I have not heard of that at all. So I am actually quite curious. All right, good. 85% of the voting public are saying they have no interest and it did not change their mind and they don't want to hear about it. So that's why I will continue to talk about it because we're here to change minds and reach across aisles. Uh, Mary, let's start with you and we'll get into the indulge here in just a second. But a little background on you professionally, how you get it to Oregon, how you become a wine expert, all that fun stuff. Yeah, I think how we got into Oregon and wine, we were living in San Francisco prior to Oregon. And when I was in San Francisco, I was in graduate school, thought I was going to become a professor. Mm. Um, on the weekends, we would go out to wine country, to Sonoma and Napa. And that's where I started learning about wine and became very interested. At the same time, I was also really interested in cooking. Um, we were dating at the time and we're just, I think, newly, almost newlyweds and just really curious about wine and food. And then by the time we moved out to Oregon in 2006, um, burnt out from graduate school. So I said, you know what? I'm really interested in wine. I'm just going to go work at a winery for a summer and just see what happens. Hmm. And then I got bit by the bug and really never went back to school. And I kind of kept staying in the wine industry. And that's what brought us to Oregon as well. When I was talking about you guys in the open, Sean, we'll get your background here in just a second. I had mentioned that you are also a sommelier. What kind of a process is that like? Is that years and years of just drinking nonstop wine or how does that go? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> no, there are um, quite a few different organizations you can go to to become certified, to become a sommelier. The one I was going through at the time was service-based for service focused. So it was for folks that were in the service industry. I'd spent probably 10, 15 years working in hospitality, various restaurants. And so I felt like that was the route I wanted to go. Um, and in that organization, there are four levels with the highest being master sommelier, which I did not make it to that level. Um, those are people who have been studying for years and years and years and go through a very rigorous training that they tell me is much like getting a law degree. Um, there is another one that's more education focused. So I have experienced in both the one that's more service focused, where if you were going to work in high end restaurants for long, many years, you would go that route. Otherwise, if you wanted to become an educator, um, you would go the other route. And so I have experience um, a little bit on both <laughs> using both routes. Sean, what's your background? Well, uh, I'll work backwards. So I'm full time with Vindulge now as of March 13th of 2020. At the time, I thought it was the greatest decision I'd ever made to have my wife as my boss, my <laughs> business partner, and my roommate. And uh, we can go a while on that one. But prior yeah. to that, I was an insurance executive <laughs> in the property casualty insurance space. So I ran a large client group with uh, with an insurance company based in Connecticut. And <laughs> After 20 years of that, I thought, you know, we've, I, we've been cooking. We Mary started the blog in 2009, and I became a supporting part of that. I thought, let's go all in. Our cookbook was coming out at that point. So I thought, this is a great time to make the, the jump. I remember talking with Todd and Susie Bullock a number of years ago, maybe the first time they were on, and I had asked Susie at the time, so geez, it's a lot of you, it's a lot of Todd, it seems like you're never not with each other. I'm sure there's times when they're not doing whatever they're up to, but from a, an outsider's looking in perspective, it seems like they spend a lot of their professional and a lot of their personal life together. And I don't know if that's something everybody wants to get into. Why does it 
work for you, Mary, to, to be so connected to Sean in pretty much every way? I think from the time we were dating, which was 1999, we have always kind of talked about running a business together for the longest time. We wanted to run a summer camp together, then a bed and breakfast together. And all of these business ideas have come and gone. And once we really connected on food and we've been cooking together since 2007, eight. Um, and then we really, once we got into barbecue and grilling, that's when I think we really hit our stride and we just had a lot of fun together. We work well together. We have very different skill sets. So I don't think we step over each other's toes. Um, and when he was working in his previous career, it was the opposite of what's happening now. He was gone. I mean, he, 80, 90% of his job was traveling. Mm. Um, and we have 12 year old twin boys. So during the time that they were babies, he was never around. And yeah. so I think this is a way for us to be together as a family. Um, although it's like I said, it is the opposite. So now it's a little too much time together. So he'll, he likes to joke that I kicked him out of the house and he now works here. We're in um, our barn studio, which is also his office because I told him I, I just can't be around him 24 hours a day now. So we have to have some boundaries and we have to have a little separation. But um, I just think we've, there was just something about it. We've always kind of wanted to see if we could work together. And we have been for, we started a catering company in I think 2014, 15. Mm. And we've been working together doing that until he quit his other career and now works with us. So we have been playing around working with each other for several years. And I just think we know each other's strengths. Sean, what's it, what's it like if it, <laughs> if it gets chippy? What's the best way to, to manage that? What have you found that is the best way to, to be able to coexist with your work partner and your wife? Besides therapy? Yes. <laughs> I'd probably say uh, the ability for us to take off our, our personal relationship hat and kind of have cues to say, okay, today I want to talk about something that has been frustrating for me. Maybe it was we didn't get enough content out or Mary might have a different idea or direction where she wants to go with maybe uh, anything from content to a sauce to a dry rub. Um, and I think it was hyper focused during COVID because in addition to that whole experience, our kids were at home virtually from school. So, I'd say the last year has been where we've hit our stride and we're still married, which I'm very proud of. Um, and I think to Mary's point, uh, one of the things I've always been aware of is that she started the brand in 2009. Mm. And yes, I cook and I love being part of the creation process, but I've always tried to remember that I defer to her because she put the sweat equity in in the beginning when people thought blogs were online diaries and some of them were. Uh, and so I just try and keep that kind of front and center, uh, when we have maybe some domestic disagreements or professionals. Were you guys aware that Vindulge is the fourth most popular barbecue and grilling website, according to my pal, Derek Riches from DerekRiches.com? Yeah, we were aware when that first article came out a couple years ago. Um, and that was, that definitely surprised us at the time we I don't think we realized that we were kind of right there. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that we've discovered is we were so slow with how we grew that I don't think we ever realized how many people interacted with us virtually mm. compounded on 
two years of virtual interaction. So I would say I was surprised because we certainly, we love Susie and Todd. We're friends with them. They put out amazing content. Their success, I think, has paved the way for a lot of other online live fire entrepreneurs as well. Um, but I don't think we realized how big we were until then. And since then, uh, and his updated uh, article, it just keeps us grounded on, hey, we're here to create content for our audience. Sometimes that can get distracting with SEO and the shiny penny of the moment or other things. But yeah, it's, I think between social media and the website, there's probably four to five million interactions a month for us. And when we go to events, now that we travel around the country doing events, it's, it's, that's where it's hit us. Like, oh my God, I love you guys. And I love this recipe. And we just try to make sure we always remember to just honor that and, um, and really appreciate it. So it was really cool to see it and to see the other people too. All right. So you dovetailed into the game show portion of the interview. I'm going to name all 10 top 10 most popular barbecue <laughs> and grilling websites. And you tell me if you've ever heard of these websites before. And don't lie, because we're going to know if you're lying. Number 10, JessPriles.com. Yes. Right? Number nine, or whatever you do. No. Uh, yes, that would be Nicole. And uh, she lives up in Seattle and uh, she does some great content on oh. especially pellet cookers. All right. Number eight. Give me some grilling. Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> wow. Number seven. <laughs> food, fire and friends. Yes or no? I hadn't heard of that one All until right. you mentioned it. Now we're getting into it. Uh, number six, Cat Heads Barbecue. Yes or no? No. Okay. Number five, a fledgling website called AmazingRibs.com. Oh. Yes? All right. Yes. Meathead, yes. Number four, Vindulge.com. Yes, of course. Of course. This one's always a little herky for me. Number two, Smoked barbecue source. Yes, as of recent, yes. Yeah. So yeah. I we didn't know who they were until Derek actually put out his first article, and then we were like, "Who are these guys?" And started looking at their website and their product reviews, and it's it's been mm -hmm. uh, fun to kind of watch how they've grown. They continue to be a pretty large one in terms yep. of website traffic. What we've learned too is sometimes we focus too much on how many page views we get. And not about the other interactions we have between email and such. So I'm always curious, like with Smoke Barbecue Source, what they're like, like, what I don't always have an appreciation for is what is their actual angle? They, so it, it, that's one where I'd, I'd love to get to know them more, but we don't know them personally. We just know the site. Of course, number one, hey, Grill, hey, you've mentioned you're uh, big fans of Susie and Todd. So are we here at the show? And by we, I mean me. So that's the game show portion. You, you knew more than I thought. I played with Jess Pryles. Uh, she knew like uh, Amazing Ribs, Vindulge, Smoke Barbecue Source, Hey Grill Hey. Uh, or I guess I should say she knew as many as I did. There was a lot that I had never heard of before. Some of them didn't seem like they were necessarily updated or they had gone out of business. So always interesting to see that list when Derek generates it. Now back to real business at hand. Over time, you talked about the slow growth or 
seeing these interactions, now appreciating them. How have you been able to stay relevant? I mean, 2009 to 2023, we're looking at 14 going on 15 years. How are you staying relevant? And what do you think the biggest change has been since you got into this whole side of the business? Uh, I think for me and, and staying relevant is just experimenting with new ch- changing times, right? Like there was a time that blogs just had pretty photography. So I had to learn how to take really nice photos and then it switched to videos. And then it was this whole period of those like hands and pans, top down photography, one minute videos that went viral on Facebook. So if you didn't start doing that, then you could get left behind. So it's really learning that and then new social media platforms come out. So it's really just not getting annoyed when these new things happen. It's really just embracing them and testing things and trying things and trying to make full length videos. And if things aren't perfect, that's okay. You have to just try and get the get your stuff out there to however people are watching the content. There was a time that people were reading. Now they wanted video. Now they want one minute videos. They want stuff on TikTok or YouTube shorts. So it's really what does the audience want and how do they want it and how can we get it to them in the platform that they want it. So I think it's it's really exhausting sometimes, but it's really about trying to meet people where they are, also expanding. So we have stuff online, but that's not just, that's not the only way you can connect with people. We like to do events. So we've done a lot of catering. We've done a lot of big national events. Um, and even now, I think coming up with a cookbook and a product line. So I think it's constantly growing and expanding and trying new things um, so that you're not just kind of a, a one hit wonder, I guess. What would you add? Yeah, I think um, it's especially for me, just always being curious. I mean, by background, I didn't really get into live fire cooking until probably 2004 and had a Traeger as my first pellet grill. I also had a Weber kettle um, and was self-taught. And I think it just came down to always asking why, why is this working the way it does? Why is this myth still prevalent? Is it real? Is it not real? Um, And I think to keep ourselves relevant in terms of all the hardware, I mean, my God, how many people are making new hardware out there, whether it's a a grill or grill top or different styles of um, whatever. Uh, I think for us, it's just staying curious and making sure if we have a question or if our audience has questions, can we provide them the most insight we can and still stay relevant? Um, and I will be the first to admit that there are times where we've been caught up in the SEO bug where we're writing content for the algorithm and it's dry and um, and not necessarily putting forth anything different than maybe what others are doing. And we had to do a little self-reflection to make sure that we went back to, okay, like why does this myth exist or why does this perspective exist? And is it true or not? And do our own experimentation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's been important too. Mary, you had mentioned that you were getting into some other items, books and products. Specifically, there is a new barbecue sauce that is wine forward, if you will. I don't know a lot of barbecue sauces that have a wine component. One of my pals, fellow Cleveland Browns fan, as hard as that is to say since last night, uh, Sam Hayes out in your neck of the woods from Sam's Northwest Barbecue said that he's had barbecue sauce and raved about it in an email to me yesterday when he or today when he heard you guys were going to be on he's a big fan tell me a little bit about bringing a a wine forward barbecue sauce to market and where you look to fit a niche on that 
Sure. I think the sauce originally came about because we were doing catering events in Oregon's wine country and Oregon produces a lot of Pinot Noir. So a lot of really heavy, spicy, sweet barbecue sauces don't lend themselves to pairing with a light, elegant wine like Pinot Noir. So we wrote a recipe several years ago called a Pinot Noir barbecue sauce. And it's a recipe that's been on our website. It's in our cookbook. But then flash forward to 2020, we had some pretty bad wildfires here in Oregon, one of which was about a mile from our house. Uh, we, Like I said, we live in wine country surrounded by vineyards. A lot of the neighboring wineries couldn't make red wine with their the grapes that they harvested that year because the fires were happening right at the beginning of September, which is peak harvest season, right before they were about to pick the grapes. So when they actually picked the grapes, harvested the wine, the it was a little bit smoky. It took on a little of that smoke flavor um, and kind of damaged the integrity of the wine that they wanted to make. So instead of making a $60, $70 dollar bottle of Pinot, they, many of which, many of the wineries decided not to make wine that year at all. Oh. Um, knowing a lot of the winemakers, we thought, well, hey, we have this recipe. What if we take some of your wine, if we buy the wine from you so you don't have to, you know, dump it down the drain and we make a product with it. So we went to trial and we started doing trials of barbecue sauce to see if we could take that recipe and make something that we could take to market. And a few weeks later, we've got our barbecue sauce. Do you have a bottle of it right there? So we've got our, yeah, it's, this just came up like just a few weeks ago. We just brought this to market. This is our wow. red wine barbecue sauce um, made with local grapes impacted by the 2020 wildfires. We do like to point out the first ingredient is red wine, mm. I think. Uh, and we like that because I think sometimes when we've tasted certain sauces, and obviously when you go through the sauce and seasoning process, you're hopefully tasting a lot to see, like, is mine going to be really any different? Uh, or why do I like this or not like this? Um, and we found that a lot of the bourbon sauces or the alcohol sauces were very brown booze driven. Mm -hmm. And it was the last ingredient. Well, well, and, and I could maybe appreciate that for hard, hard liquor, but uh, we did want it to be a true to what we like, which is wine flavor profile. So that was something that was important to us too. When you're getting it from a co-pack, I assume you have to go through that whole process. But once you strike a relationship there and you start getting samples, is it a pretty quick process to get something that you think is workable to bring to market? Yeah, a lot quicker oh. than I imagine. I thought when we started the process that it would take several weeks and we really just did a few trials and they were ready to roll. It was slower on our end because we had to get the labels done. And I mean, that took longer for us. Yeah, a funny story is she called me three days after we dropped off the wine and she said, your bottles are ready. <laughs> and I went down with my truck and I realized that my truck can't carry that many pallets. Oh. <laughs> so, I, so it gives you a perspective on how fast they can turn it around and they do a great job. Um, and as we scale up, we hope to continue to, to leverage them because we try to keep everything as local as possible to keep the dollars in our market. So a lot of the ingredients are from local sources. So the, the bottle price is a little higher. Um, it seems that people have been okay with it. Uh, and it just is kind of part of our story about just wanting to support local communities. And I think the other thing about wineries people forget is that most wineries, at least in Oregon, are small farms. They're not making a hundred thousand cases a year, they're making like 2000 or, you know, 500 cases. So when something like the fires happened, uh, it really 
caused several to say, am I going to be in business next year? So it was important for us to do as much as we could. I mean, I wish we could have done more, but there was only so much capacity we had to self-fund making thousands of bottles. But it was a great experience. And honestly, I thought, okay, this, uh, we can do this now. We got over the first hurdle. Now let's get like a line of sauces and seasonings every year. We're talking with Mary Kressler and Sean Martin from Vindulge. Vindulge.com is the sauce available for sale on website for people that were listening or get it on podcast later. Yep. It's available on our website and it's also available locally here in the Portland, Oregon region as well at several, several retail shops. Yeah. So Sam, if you want to sell it, just send me an email. (laughs) I'm I'm available. That's right. That's the way to start drum up business as we close out the segment. I certainly appreciate that. Sean Martin and Mary Kressler, Vindulge.com, the website guys really appreciate the time here this evening and look forward to having you back on sooner than later. Thanks. It was great to be on. That's Sean and Mary. That was Mary and Sean. Vindulge.com is the website. And we have Wes Wright ready to go here in just one second. We'll get to him here before we get to him. We'll talk to you about Primo ceramic cookers. Boy, oh boy. No bigger fan of ceramic cookers than me. And Primo leads the list. That's right. Why? Multiple reasons. Oval number one, so you're able to stage a two-zone fire. So you can push the coals over to one side. You can put the meat on the other side. Look, if you really want to get crazy, you can put in the divider that comes with it. So now you definitely have a fire section and a non-fire section. Then you can get the deflector plates if you want and set up a whole situation of two-zone fires like you've never done before on any ceramic cooker. And what I've come to find out is I tell you each and every week now, the more and more I'm cooking on it, it does appear after the ceramics get hot to provide a nice, humid cooking environment. But there's no water pans or infusion of water or weirdness like that. Not that water's weird. It's great. So your bark is nice, but it's not dried out in a jerky style fashion. If you like that, I don't know what to say. But I don't know a lot of folks that like the jerky bark per se, or at least not on everything. This one is nice. And of course, fuel misers. You load it up with charcoal, you can get two, three cooks out of it before you have to reload again, depending on what you're doing. So big fan. Only sold through dealers. That's primogrill.com. Find a dealer near you, primogrill.com. And you can check out all the different size ovals that they got. You buy the one that's best for you. West Wright is next. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Howard Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Renfe. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Mary Kressler and Sean Martin for joining us last segment. Vindulge.com, their website. This portion brought to you by Fireboard. If you want to monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously, connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or Bluetooth if you must. You can do that with the Fireboard. Also, they have the Instant Read Meat Thermometer. There's also a one-channel Fireboard called the Fireboard Spark. Go to Fireboard.com, find out more, or purchase. My next guest tonight, creator of CookoutNews.com's website, the third Tuesday of the month, regular guest, 35 past the first hour. We are welcoming back our pal, Wes Wright. 
Wes, before we talk about some breaking news, we have a YouTube poll question of the week. And I'm asking everybody this. Listening to Mike Grunwald's interview last week has changed your opinion on cell-cultivated meat, yes or no? Uh, well, I'll lead with a no. I thought it was a great interview and interesting, but it still just kind of weirds me out. 79% of folks are saying no, no matter how great the interview was or interesting or mind-blowing, whatever. Not good enough to put them over the edge of curiosity, so almost 80%. I'm not surprised that it's, uh, I thought it'd still be a little bit higher than that, but we'll see how it trends for the rest of the show. Uh, breaking news, I guess. A we'll barbecue do this. central show exclusive news update. Greg Rempe reporting from the breaking news desk here in Cleveland, Ohio, the city that makes the Brit breaks the most live fire breaking news across the country. Nay, the globe. And we go to Detroit roughly and go to west right for this breaking news west what's happening yeah so on your show back way back in winter we talked about the searwood trademark from weber which we speculated was a uh, new pellet grill yep. well there's a overzealous uh hardware store online that posted what appears to be a new Weber Searwood uh, pellet grill. Um, there's no pictures. I found one based off of a side shelf that they also have that's really blurry and kind of crappy. But yeah, it appears that that's, that's going to make it to market is, is my guess. I mean, it'd be pretty shocking if it didn't at this point. What were the overall features or let me ask a better question. What would make this better than the smoke fire that's currently available? To me, it looks just like a replacement for the uh, the two uh, cheapest models of the Smoke Fire. It, you, I couldn't see the controller to see if they're doing anything with that to to change that around. I, I don't think so. It the feature list sounded a little disappointing. It was the same temperature range. The only thing that might be new and different um, is it sounds like it might have a, an easier clean out for the ash and grease. Before the smoke fire has a tray, which and you had to scrape it into the holes, but this it says it's new and improved. So you know we'll see what that actually is. Um, other than that, I mean, it looks pretty similar. It doesn't have that. Uh, it still still has a barrel shape, but doesn't have that like banding on the sides of the barrel. If you know what I'm talking about. Yep. But um, so it it would make sense that it'll you know come out relatively soon and, and replace. My guess is it'll replace what is it the EX4 and EX6 something like that. I remember when this was initially being rolled out. I had who was then Kevin Coleman at the time talking about how great the smoke fire was going to be and one of the unique features was going to be this kind of groundbreaking uh, ash system so the ash was just going to fall down it was going to be real easy clean out you didn't have to bust the guts out like you have to do with every other uh, cooker more or less uh, some have some vacuum i uh, think like green mountain grill has the vacuum port on the side make it a little easier but a lot of the other ones you got to take the guts out and get at it with a shop vac this was going to change the game in that regard but didn't really pan out that way i guess yeah if, if they're trying to update it yeah i mean i'll be honest though i don't i don't really mind shop vac it you know it's like three pieces to take out of your grill and you just vacuum it for a second it doesn't it's not too hard like they act like it's you know revolutionary that you pull a canister out or something but to me it's not such a big deal do you think this is going to put the pellet cooker for Weber on the map to some degree, because I think we would all agree that the smoke fire was 
more or less an unmitigated disaster from Jump Street? If it comes out just as it it appears to, you know, which you know anything can happen between now and if it actually does come out, um, it it seems just like another run of the mill pellet grill. So I wouldn't imagine it would. It's mm. not like it's uh, you know like a new flagship model. It's just another you know thousand dollar fourteen hundred dollar pellet grill which you know there's a lot in that that space so I, I don't think it'll really move the needle for him do you anticipate some type of big announcement or social media run um yeah i would imagine they'll they'll do something when they you know 2024 is supposed to be the big year i don't know if that means they're going to start announcing grills soon though and then you know just for the 2024 season but i would imagine you know they'll they'll hype it up on on social media when it does come out is this dealer kind of a dick for doing this? Just trying to show, look what I got, or maybe I have one in stock, or maybe I don't. I'm just trying to gain a little steam here any way I can. I don't. I think what it is, and I saw this with Traeger when they rolled out um, their griddle, is I think it's just really hard to coordinate with all these dealers to have stock. So when Weber makes the announcement, okay, you can. this is the new grill, you can buy it. They need to have that at all the dealers, which means all the dealers need to have product have it ready to go and also have it on their website. I think they just are not great at technology maybe, or they just, <laughs> you know, didn't think it would Google would scrape it the way they do. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a recurring thing that happens where I see grills come out and Google search before just, if you know the name of them, you know, from trademarks, they come out before they're actually out. What's right. What's actually funny. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say, what's funny too is you can actually add it to the cart. I didn't risk a thousand dollars to see if it would ship, but you can add it to the cart. Wow. Uh, Wes Wright joining us here on the show, cookoutnews.com's website. You wrote an article at the end of last month, and uh, we talked about how grill companies get direct to consumer and affiliate marketing wrong. What prompted you to write the article in the first place? Uh, probably a little bit of frustration, but also. Um, just like firsthand no frustration on your part yeah, yeah so my website you know i don't i don't get a, a ton of money from affiliate revenue um but the uh it's i always try to route to the direct to the, the rather than going to a retailer i always try to route links to the brand itself you know like it's it's just a courtesy kind of whether or not they realize that but um so i always directly link to them um so then they they came out like right before the grilling season start, like early May, late April. I don't remember something like that. They, some of the, I don't even know if I'm allowed to talk about the exact rates, but some of the biggest names in grilling will say all of a sudden lowered their rates to like, like a two to 3% commission, which is below like what Amazon will give you every single day of the week, you know, mm. which is, you know, so some of it was just frustration that they did that, but also, it was, I don't know if they quite understand the model of what they're doing there. And so I, for, I know a number of companies read my website. So I was hoping that I could inform them on, on, you know, what they're trying to accomplish with actual like affiliate marketing, like how it works. So if some of these companies aren't doing it right, or maybe they're not doing it at all, but they see a potential benefit here. In your estimation, what's the best way to go about setting up an effective affiliate marketing campaign or program? Well, first, so, you know, what, uh, you know, I'll, I'll back up a little bit. Yep. The reason why affiliate marketing and direct to consumer D2C are intertwined is the way it works is so let's say you Google for, you know, the, uh, you know, a Weber, uh, 
smoke fire grill, right? Your results, most of them up top are going to be uh, from retailers. So logically, you'll, if you're looking to buy, you'll click one of those. But let's say me or someone else writes like a review or you know a post about it, and they click mine instead of a retailer because I beat out all the retailers by having a, a better website for it, then they don't have to pay that you know, rather than wholesaling it at what's probably, you know, 20 to 30% of the overall ticket, they just buy it from me direct. They pay me a few percentage points and they, you know, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. You know, they get more marketing out of me. They get more money. It's, it's great. Um, so I, you know, I think that they just, what they need to do to do it right is understand that they're competing with retailers and that's why you have affiliate marketing it's not just so that way you can reward people for writing articles it's that you're actually competing with retailers and you want to beat them and the retailers like walmart or amazon or any of the big box stores like that they're great at competition that's what they do so ahead of the grilling season what amazon do they more than doubled their rate for what they pay on on grills you know so logically everyone that's writing a grill article is going to say okay well i'll link to amazon because they'll pay me you know two to three times what the actual grill company pays me people are more likely to check out and also they're going to have a bigger ticket because you'll be oh you know do you want to buy you know a, some other accessories or something else a household item you'll throw it all on so you get a bigger ticket a bigger commission off that so what they need to do is understand that and beat Amazon and Walmart and have a higher commission rate than what they're paying. So more people want to link directly to them and they can get a bigger chunk of the pie. What's a standard commission percentage? Is it 5% or 8%? Yeah, usually uh, the companies will pay five. Uh, some of the pizza oven companies will pay as high as 10. Um, whereas retailers usually pay anywhere like, you know, from like one to three. It's usually pretty low because they're already, you know, they're greedy too, but <laughs> why not? If you're a grill company looking to get in on this and really break the mold here or break out of whatever commonplace is, why not jack a commission up 15%, maybe 20%? Because I can't imagine they're selling more grills through affiliate marketing than whatever their other main pulls through are. Here's some cream on the coffee if you will so incentivize you know you as a potential affiliate and anybody else that's doing it sure you're paying more but i mean wouldn't that encourage more motivation on your end to push the grills yeah i, I completely agree with that um most of the grill companies don't do a lot of d to c i'd have to look back i'm i'm actually going to try to write an article about d to c rates you know which like one mm. percent of people find interesting but um it's i, I know like blackstone when they filed to IPO in 2021, they're like 5% of their business was D to C. So it's pretty low. But if you look at like highly competitive products, like outside of the grilling industry, like one that jumps in my mind is like nutrition supplements. They pay like really high commission rates because it's so competitive. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, that's the way they do it to get people to create content about their products. So yeah, that's the winning way to do it. We've talked a number of times about various outdoor pizza ovens that have come to market but now we're seeing more options for the inside as well what are the best indoor pizza oven options right now yeah there's some really expensive ones that you know people swear by um 
you know, Uni came out with a Vault uh, earlier this year, which looks pretty nice. It, it's supposed to perform just like their outdoor oven. It gets 900 degrees um, and it's supposed to have active cool down too. So it doesn't, you know, burn down your house, but it's, uh, it's a thousand dollars. So it's, you know, not a cheap product. Yeah. I, I don't love cooking pizza indoors enough to, to spring for that. Um, but uh, Cuisinart actually just came out with uh, a p- indoor pizza oven a week or two ago that's you know gets to 700 degrees has a lot of the same features but it's only 400 bucks so I w- i'd be interested in trying that one out you got to put these things on their own circuit they're going to trip something out getting up that high or they just have that technology to do it um i i you probably don't have to it's probably suggested that's one thing with the kitchen too is you know when I've tested electric grills outside, what I I've noticed if like I have an out a fridge in my garage, and if I have that running with the grill, it heats up way slower. Mm. So, but if I take everything off the circuit and then standalone, it goes faster. So, my guess is it'll still work. It won't. I don't it probably won't trip anything, but it'll just be slower to get up to temp. You still using that Franklin barbecue pit? Yeah, yeah. I've only been able to use it a couple times since I last talked to you, just because you know back to school and all that stuff. Yep. But uh, yeah, it's it's great. I yeah, I'm gonna write an article not only about the pit, but there's like little details I've seen since since owning it. Like I love that the uh, the casters on it are actually created by them, and they have little like flames on them. There's just little details <laughs> on it like that, which if you like can appreciate craftsmanship, you're like, wow, that's really cool. How easy it for the the few times that you've cooked on it? There seemed to be some internet scuttlebutt about I don't want to have a fire door that has words and holes in it. I want to have dampers. I want to be able to control the air intake. Aaron seems to be antithetical to that thought. He wants in his mind he has made something that gives you the perfect airflow. Shut the door. Shut up and just tend your fire. Uh, I'm not talking for him, but that seems to be the concept behind it. Do you find that that is the case? You get the the influx in that you need. Yeah i I usually cook with it propped open slightly, even. Okay. Um, it, it, and he, you know he's talked about it too, where you don't want to close it off because that just means that you're going to end up burning a dirty fire. You'll get mm. you know more dirty smoke with it. Um, what I do, you know, with because I'm I'm not an amazing. Uh, you know, offset cooker. So I, what I do if if I burn a little hot, I just either rake the coals back, or I usually have like my old Weber kettle sitting next to my Franklin, and so that way, if I need to take a couple of coals off, I just throw it in there for a little mm-hmm. bit until you know I can correct my error. So, and that way, the fire keeps burning clean and keeps burning strong. But I, I've never like it's it it's so easy to operate that that is a very rare occurrence where you know it's almost. It's almost like, I, you know, when you see people operate big offsets, it, it's like a lo- locomotive, like it just gets up to temp and just, you know, powers through. So you don't end up really burning like super hot fires that, that do that. What's going to be the biggest news story to happen before the next time we talk? Um, I, I think we'll start seeing some grill releases before the next time we talk, which I'm excited about. Um, and including Weber, you know, they released a new queue over in Australia and New Zealand. I'd love to see that in the U S I don't know. I'm a little confused why it didn't come out in the U S but I think you'll start, you know, between that and, and their uh, new pellet grill. I think you'll see some other grill releases. 
You should be heading over to cookoutnews.com and seeing what Wes is writing about. Get privy to all the late-breaking stuff, and you can see him here on the show once a month on the third Tuesday, 35 past the first hour. Wes, always appreciate the time, and we'll see you in October. Yep, thanks, Greg. That's Wes right? I agree. I'm a little pondering on what... A little pondering? I'm pondering why Weber released some of the new cues overseas not here maybe that's going to be some of the stuff they're going to be rolling out here shortly who knows hey speaking of franklin's barbecue pits they're the newest sponsor of the show we know that franklin pits are for the barbecue purists who want to take their craft to the next level skillfully made right here the good old us of a with american-made steel built to last built with purpose What you have with the Franklin Pit, a deeply thought out and refined version of the old propane style cooker that he uses in his restaurants. Stylistically, it reflects the bare bones, industrial handmade aesthetic that he loves. The patina, the way that the build is allowed to be showcasing the welds, the craftsmanship. Now, schematics of a Texas offset pit, not necessarily complicated. However, What's happening inside the pit is complicated. Dynamics, physics, chemistry. There's few moving parts, but there are numerous and massive differences between the Franklin pit and the average barbecue smoker. And of course, we know thickness and heaviness of material is number one at the top of this. You need that. You need it to maintain heat and retain heat, especially in colder environments. You need to be able to stand up to the heat that this offset is putting out and quite simply the thin stuff does not do that if you're spending $300 on an offset pit I got bad news it's not going to work out if you're going to be near Hartville Ohio this coming Saturday on the 23rd I have some major news if you're thinking about getting a Franklin pit you live around here or you're within three hours Come to Grill Fest. There's going to be one at Hartville Hardware, believe it or not. I'll do my best to answer any questions about the pit if you see me there. But they're going to have some experts on hand as well over there at Hartville. You love the Hartville Hardware Grill Fest. But a Franklin pit will be on scene Saturday, September 23rd. So if you have any questions, do it. Otherwise, hit the website, franklinbbqpits.com. That's Franklin bbqpits.com and we'll be back to wrap the first hour right after this stick around we'll be right back continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way you're listening and watching the barbecue central show once again here's your host Craig Rampey we thank Wes White for joining us last segment West right? Did I say that correctly? Cookoutnews.com, his website. And just to reiterate on the read, if you're going to be around Hartsville, Ohio, or you're within the driving radius and your antenna's up for a Franklin barbecue pit, but you want to see it and touch it first, there's going to be one at the Hartsville Hardware Grill Fest on Saturday, September 23rd. So stop by. You'll see me. You'll see DBQ. I'll talk to you all about it here in just a few minutes. It'll be great. But yes, there will be one on scene. All right, that puts a wrap on the first hour. We have a great second hour coming up, so stay tuned for that. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central show right here on the Barbecue Central Network. Stick around. We'll be right back.